the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, greetings. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. Listen, if you have a beard, Uh-oh. let me just say, you got to be careful. Yeah. yeah I, from my perspective, <laughs> I think you need to be careful. In what way? I mean, is beard fashion? We were talking, this is one of those conversations that starts off the air and bleeds onto the air. And by the way, welcome into the ride home. We're glad you're here. And this is what we were just talking about. It started with pillowcases. It did start with pillowcases. And I was saying that if you choose a pillowcase, when you choose Mm -hmm. a pillowcase, the number one consideration is it has to be not in any way, shape, or form, in any way scratchy. Of course not. It has to no. be the ultimate in softness. It defeats the purpose. It really does. Right. It really does. And, and then you said. I said, oh, well, you know, I got a problem because, you know, I, I, this beard of mine comes and goes. Right. So I recently, like in the past several weeks, started to grow a beard again. Mm-hmm. And I'm lying in bed last night and I was like all scratchy, all mm-hmm. itchy. And I'm like, I'm going to shave this thing. I'm just done with it. And then you said. I can't. See, now I feel bad saying Don't it. say it. No, go ahead. Ben Roethlisberger's beard looks awful. It's just a big beard. Fashion rules. I just have to say it. It's a really big beard. It's and not I, good. I, you know what? I don't it's have a un- problem with it's it. It's unkempt. No. It's Grizzly Adams. He's hurt. This is a an injury beard. Do you know what I thought when I was watching the game? Hmm. I thought that Baker Mayfield looked like Gabe Kaplan. <laughs> he kind of does. And I thought that Ben looked like Grizzly Adams. That's right. It's a throwback to 1970s television <laughs> During the Cleveland Browns Pittsburgh Steelers, I was game. upset by both. Yeah, yeah. They, would, I would love to see Gabe, Gabe Kaplan play quarterback for the Browns. They, right? They probably don't would play think, similar. Don't you think he, Baker looks like him with a mustache? He looks like Gabe Kaplan's son. There we go. Right? Fine. Yeah, yeah. At least there's a genetic connection. Now Ben's beard. I don't have a problem with it's it. Too, but no. you, you said something else beyond I, that. I, you, if you're going to have a beard, yeah. and this is only from my perspective, this is only my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's all I can tell you. Well, you're you, behind the microphone. There shouldn't be have any neck hair. A neck beard. No neck beard. Yeah, I, I no don't neck like a beard. neck beard. And both of you, I will say Mike and John, do Thank an you. excellent job with that. Thank you. Thank you very much. You do a very nice Appreciate job. That, yeah. You both look wonderful. <laughs> I mean it. You do. You look very good. Yeah. I love Ben. I think he was has been one of the most... Uh, Here it comes. No, listen. I mean this. <laughs> no way. I think... He is one of the greatest stealers of all time. Oh, without a doubt. I think he's one yeah. of the greatest yeah. stealers of all time. That's an easy get. His beard looks awful. It's an injury beard. So I would say hands off. All right. The guy's suffering. Under, you're right. He's in turmoil, upside point. down. You're right. Basically, the beard's all he's got okay. at this point. It's an injury beard. Seriously. All right, it I'll is an injury it. beard. I'll take it. Okay. okay I'm, I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself. Right. But back to the pillowcase. Yeah. I mean, we're just bringing this up because – why did I bring this up? Well, I don't know why. You just spontaneously said to me as we were getting ready for the show – I heard something about a pillowcase. Are you particular about pillowcases? I heard something about a pillowcase, and I thought of my pillowcase, the, the one that I want to get rid of, and <laughs> the one that I love. Oh, do you want to buy one? No, no. I have like – don't like you. Oh, a rotation. Don't you have them? Yeah, know, I have a rotation. A small rotation. Yeah, but here's my – small My rotation. rotation is down to if Two? I – no. 
I have two pillows that I use at night, yeah. and I have to wash both the pillowcases at the same time because I'm so There's attacked. No backup. I don't have a backup. Oh, you need a backup. I know. What if it gets ripped I know. or, you know. I'm going to be in a bad place. I something. think I need to start washing the other ones multiple times because I think they're just too new to be, to be offering soft. that type of softness I'm looking for. Right. Because, I mean, you spend a lot of time with your pillowcase. <laughs> Don't you? Yes. And I mean, last hour night, after last, hour last after night, hour. I had a really, truly horrible night's sleep. Mm. So I was awake a lot of the time and I was noticing my pillowcase. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're sleeping, you're out, you know, you're. Last night, it was important to me that it was soft. Really? Yeah. Because I wasn't sleeping. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, at least right, I'm enjoying right. laying here on this thing. When you wake up in the middle of the night, now I, I may know the answer to this already, but see, my first response is like, I'll wake up, boom, I'm up. And I'm like, oh, okay. My first response is I get my phone no. and I get on my phone. No, you should never which do is that. Like, you you're know, waking yourself the wor- up. Of course you are. Because you, you think you're awake, no, but you're not fully oh, awake. No, no, you're not. Uh, believe me, I no, know No, no, you're not. You're, you're only up fully when you've, uh, when you've pulled your phone out and well, you start looking at things. Now you're really I'm up. up. No. I'm going to, you know, and, you and I know before. at that point I'm like, so I'm going to surrender to being up for the next hour at least, right, so maybe the next two hours. Okay, but you know what you're doing? You're turning your brain off. Uh, yeah, I get that. You want to turn your brain off. Right. I know. Right. I know, but I'm just saying, at my age, at my oh, age. Listen, at my age. Back in the day. The way he talks. He's no, like it's the truth. I mean, you know, you know yourself. Old. You spend a lot of time, and you know, inside your head. Right. You know your sleeping thing. Thank you. That's why I'm trying to tell you that if you wake up during the night, and you're talking to a person who got yeah, up with children for yeah. about 10 years during the night, right? You have to. Keep yourself as sleepy as possible right. so that when you get the kid down, you're able to go right, back right, down. Right, right. You have to specialize in sleepiness. That means low lighting. That means no lighting. S- or no lighting. But you get but the so, phone, then yeah. forget it. So that, but you can't, and you can never look at the clock. Right. Never, ever look at the clock. That's the kiss of death. Just saying. Okay. That's all. Well, I'm glad we had this conversation. Pillowcases and mm-hmm. beards. We were gonna, and, uh, yeah, we were going to talk about golf courses. But we're going to skip that. Yeah, we are. Because coming up, uh, we've got Jerry Boyer in the on-deck circle. And we don't want to keep him waiting. We love Jerry. We're going to talk about gender. The fights that we have between men's roles and women's roles. Jerry says if we just studied Genesis 1-3, we could stop all the fighting. What's next? Today's Ride Home. Confusing tedious, worse than a math test. That's how most Americans describe shopping for health insurance. Yes, open enrollment here again. And you have until December 15th to choose something very expensive that you hope to never use. And if that makes you want to stick a red hot poker in your eye, do yourself a favor. Call Marley Financial. Marley has every plan available in the tri-state, but they also offer some of the most innovative solutions to tackle the high cost of health care. Have you heard of first dollar benefits, the most expensive part of a health plan? They're great if you visit the doctor a lot or take medications, but if you're healthy, why pay it? A catastrophic plan through Marley may be all you need. Or how about a high deductible plan you can pair with a supercharged HSA? Not all plans qualify, but Marley's do, offering double benefits to cut your out-of-pocket costs in half. So call Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496, for a custom-designed health plan with the coverage you need at a price that's right. 724-884-1496 or online, marleyfg.com.
101.5 WORD. God blesses everyone. What's the biggest blessing you can imagine this Christmas season? How about having your mortgage or rent paid for for 2020? It's possible when you enter the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes. You can even enter once a day to increase your opportunities to win. See rules and conditions for details. To our Merry Christmas, God bless us. God bless us. Enter the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes brought to you by Trinity Jewelers. Go to wordfm.com slash contests. Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade with over 50 professionally certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. This Christmas, put 36 holes in your golf lover's stocking for half the price with the Salem Half Price Golf Card. Get half-off savings now while supplies last. Good for 18 holes at Pheasant Ridge and 18 more at Harmony Ridge with cart, just $53. Order now before they're gone at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. So find some stockings and put a hole in one at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. Everybody's doing it, and everybody's making money at it, except you. You're losing holiday business to your online competitors, and you don't know how to get in the game. Talk to us at Salem Surround, digital marketing experts who offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness, even if you have none, and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales coming out of this season. We can design and implement all of your online marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports on results, and instantly move your dollars to the most effective areas of your online advertising and sales. Social marketing, geofencing, web search enhancement, event targeting, and more. Now, there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround, increasing sales dramatically. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. That's surroundpittsburgh.com, connecting you with new customers. I don't know if you've noticed, John, there seems to be some animosity between the genders. <laughs> what? Up on What's it? going know, on there? I Did I miss that story? It's a surprise. It's a trending right now Look, on Twitter. I mean, this is the story of men and women throughout all of human history. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a surprise. But right. I do think it's important that we always talk about it um, so that we're recognizing what's happening in culture, what the conversations are that are going on all around us. Are you talking hashtag me too? I'm talking hashtag me too, but I think it's not just that. I think that the hashtag me too movement opened up conversations about gender relationships in the church that were long buried. Mm-hmm. I think that the church is actually... Um, I think the church owes a debt of gratitude to society for bringing up an issue that 
we in the church have had a hard time talking about. I think that the issues of gender and the issues of uh, female submission and male leadership, the power dynamic that exists, not just in homes that would be that they would call uh, that perhaps they would call themselves complementarian, which means that people believe that men have specific gender roles and women have specific gender roles, um, become even more marked in churches that are complementarian, where men have specific gender roles and women have specific gender roles. Well, this has been historically traditional. It has been. It has been. Um, but there's a larger conversation that goes on amongst people of goodwill who are trying to work it out, and there is a conversation that goes on between people who are just angry and hacked off and express themselves badly, either verbally or in altercations online. And we're seeing that all over the place. Whether it's in or outside of the church. Right, right. So I think it's important to talk about the actual differences in how we look at gender roles. And then I do think it's important to talk about the attitude with which we have the conversations. Outstanding. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry is editor of Town Hall Finance, here to talk to us about that topic exactly, especially from the perspective of Genesis 1-3. Hey, Jerry, welcome back. How are you? I'm I'm great. How how are you doing, John? Good, good. Always good to have you with us. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Yeah, so Jerry, this is uh, fraught with angst already. Minefields. Right. Um, (laughs) People feel very strongly about how men should act and how women should act. And so we see a a conflict in culture, but also a conflict within the church. Yeah, we do. Um, And I think that avoiding the topics don't decrease the tension. They increase the tension. Right. Because the uh, influence of the Bible is over the long run to bring peace. I mean, Jesus said, I came to bring a sword, because as biblical ideas get introduced into a society, they run counter, counter to, the, you know, to the pagan culture. But over time, wisdom produces peace. So I would say that the church has maybe abandoned its role as a teacher mm-hmm. um, in this zone, left the world to figure it out yeah. on its own. The world has defaulted to the world's mode, which is combat, um, and that makes this now a toxic conversation, which then Christians are afraid to have because it's a toxic conversation. But our, our unwillingness to have this conversation is what made it toxic in the first place, and there's no solution other than the Bible. So we better get on with it, even if it hurts a little. Right. So the role of gender is so important to God that he essentially placed it first chapter of the Bible. He did, um, and it's so important that he only says the creation is very good after you have male and female. Um, so we have God progressively creating the world, making you know it's good. But okay, day one it's good, but if it's good, why do we have day two? Well, you know because you can make it better. Um, and this this whole thing, you know, I don't want to get into a super detailed read on this. I spent five years on this and wrote a 240-page thesis. Okay, so you know, we're not going to be able to handle all that, so some things are just going to have to take as, hey, Jerry isn't winging it. He really thought this through. Right? Uh, <laughs> Thank so, you. so there's a, there's a lot of good and not good and very good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is everything is good in the creation. The Bible says everything is good except two things. One, the creation of the firmament is not declared good. Hmm. It, nothing is said whether it's good or not. It's this, the firmament separates heaven and earth, um, and I would argue that it's not declared good because it's temporary, um, that there's not supposed to be a separation of heaven and earth forever. It's for now, 
Um, and so it's not declared bad, but it's also not declared good. And then all the other actions, actions of creation are declared good. And then the first time that God says something is not good, it's about Adam without having a wife, without a woman. He, it's, this situation is not good. Um, and, and, and after she's created, then after everything's done, then God says that everything's motov, very good. So this gender thing is not like some side thing. Uh, this is not, this is at the very heart of creation. I mean, it's not just a human thing, really. It's a thing of reality itself. Heaven is the place where the bridegroom lives and earth is the place where the bride is. You know, heaven and earth are to some degree a representative or a kind of a foreshadowing of male and female, which is coming. We are, God is our husband. Christ is the bridegroom. We're the bride. There's a marriage of heaven and earth. And so we see that early in creation, and then we see the creation of the woman. Um, and there's a lot going on there. Let me, let me just say, I, I don't know how much people are ready for in this, right? Because we don't think biblically. We think, like, already people are starting to say, so whose side is he on? Right. Right? Is what cat- say, what say, category the, can I put him in? Right, exactly. And who is he on the man's side or is he on the woman's side, mm-hmm. right, in, in this fight? And it's like, no, you're completely missing it. What is, what's declared not good? Is the man declared not good? Uh-uh. Is the woman declared not good? Uh-uh. What's not good? The separation between them. The lack of love and relationship and camaraderie between them is what's declared not good. Um, the Bible does not take sides between man and woman. The Bible takes sides against the people who would take sides between man and woman. The Bible does not come down on the patriarch side. The Bible does not come down on the feminist side. The enemy acts by dividing the man and the woman. God says it's not good for the man and woman to be divided. That's literally the Hebrew. That's not, it's not saying it's not good for the man to be alone. It's actually divided. And the first thing the serpent comes along it does is try to divide them. When we play man off against woman, whether we're taking this allegedly conservative patriarchal view or the more liberal feminist view, whatever those things are, when we are playing them off against one another, whichever side we're taking, we're doing the enemy's work. Mm-hmm. He plays them off against one another. Mm-hmm. He manipulates and he triangulates in modern terms. He triangulates between, between the man and the woman in the garden. Mm-hmm. So recognizing that the enemy is uh, the enemy's first goal is to make there an issue between man, man and woman should help us as we wade into whatever the conversation is, no matter what our perspective. Yeah, we got to start out understanding gender from the Bible point of view, and we can't order our ideologies off the rack. You know, we, we, we have to, there's, there's a tailor-made biblical view, and we got to kind of go back, you know, in the Reformation had this idea of ad fontes, back to the sources. we got to go back to the sources and recreate the biblical understanding mm-hmm. of man and woman instead of scouring the Bible looking for ammunition in a, in a fight that is really largely a fight between two pagan views, even if one of those pagan views depends, uh, kind of pretends to be Christian. Mm. Patriarchy is a pagan view. I'm not saying complementarianism is a pagan view. I'm a complementarian. But complementarian is not male chauvinist. Complementarian is there's a difference, and they have different roles, and tends to place on the man the obligation of chivalry, not the obligation of throwing the woman under the bus. And historically, the church has tended to take the view that the woman is the temptress, the woman causes the fall, she seduces Adam into the fall, uh, and therefore you've got to be careful about women, because women are the way that the devil gets to men. And that is 
absolutely not what's happening in Genesis 1 through 3. Okay, so okay, so this is interesting because that perspective that the woman is the temptress and the woman is where the problem is going to come from is not unique to Christianity. I mean, this is why women are, across the Arab world are wearing the hijab. Yeah, and it's not even part of Christianity. It's a pagan import into Christianity. Um, it's, I mean, what happens is early on in the, in the early Christian church, you had a lot of church fathers. They're great men. Some of them are martyrs, but they didn't read Hebrew. So they're using the Greek Old Testament or they're using the Latin Old Testament. And they miss some things. And so they start to pull pagan philosophy in. So here's a pagan philosophy, Stoicism. So Stoicism basically says that you're supposed to be rational. Men are rational. Women are emotional. Rational is better, therefore men are better, therefore women should not be heard from, um, which is a completely different question than whether women should be pastors. I'm going to leave all that stuff aside, because once I say anything about that, then half the group stops listening, right? right. Um, yeah, and I'm not even going to say which half. Um, and so this pagan idea of stoicism identifies sexuality and emotion with women, non-sexuality, the life of the mind and rationality with men, um, and therefore, it takes the side of men over women. That's not what's going on in Genesis. I mean, Genesis in Genesis, both are to blame, but the man is more to blame. The first failure is not the woman eating from the fruit. The first failure is Adam. He's the, he's the one who drops the ball. First. Okay, so le- okay, let's right. talk about that because that is not a common reading. Certainly, if you asked, you know, I would say 100 people who were familiar with Genesis, they wouldn't say that. 100 of them wouldn't Eve say that. Eve was at fault. Well, yeah, I, that's a shame, because it's it's pretty clear in the text, and it's especially clear in the Hebrew text. Um, okay, so Adam's where, where job, are you reading from, uh, Jerry? I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to jump around. Um, if you, I mean, if you want, I can go with individual. I can open up my Hebrew and go individual, but probably that's going to kind of you know, um, slow us down. So what I'll do is make sure I'm going to publish a paper on this and I'll send it to you so people can see the detail. Um, but Adam's job, the job that Adam is given is to shamar, that is to guard the garden, mm-hmm. right? He's there to shamar and avoid the garden. So he's there to guard and to serve in the garden. Well, what's the most valuable thing in the garden? What's the most important thing in the garden? Eve. Well, yeah, the woman, right. nothing more important. So he's to guard her. What's he to guard her from? Well, evil. we can make different arguments. Evil, right, exactly. I would say he's even there to guard her from anything that doesn't belong in the garden, and the serpent doesn't belong in the garden. The serpent, the Bible tells us, is a creature of the field, a hayatsadi. Um, so it's a creature of the field. It doesn't belong in the garden. There are things that belong in the garden, and there are things that don't belong in the garden. Um, and whether you agree with me that basically certain animals are allowed in the garden and certain aren't, if you want me to say more, I can, or you want to say at the very least – he should keep evil out of the garden. He didn't. The serpent, an, uh, an unclean beast who doesn't belong in the garden, who's there to destroy, comes into the garden, deceives the woman while Adam is standing there. Adam is present during this entire thing. It's made clear at the end of Genesis 3 that he's min here. He's, he's min he. He's with her the whole time. That this serpent is lying and subverting and triangulating. He's there doing nothing. Mm. The first command is to, the first command God ever gave to Adam was to guard the garden. And that's the first failure. He doesn't guard the garden. And then he allows someone to come in. She's deceived, meaning she's not committing a high handed sin. She's tricked. 
Um, so he exposes her to that trickery, um, and that's the first failure. So this is mainly a failure of Adam. Um, it is, it, she fails, but it's much less a failure of hers than it is of his because he's responsible. You can't be a complementarian and make her mainly responsible. I mean, if you're a conservative evangelical and you say men and women are different and men are leadership role or whatever, okay, there it is. It's a leadership role, um, which he fails in. Uh, so the idea of difference, different roles within the gender, in this case, puts the guarding responsibility on Adam. She's not created yet when that command is given to him. She's created after. It's his particular role to be the shamar. The, uh, the guardian of the garden, and he fails in it. Jerry Boyer is with us. We're talking about specific roles for men and women, biblically, culturally. Jerry, of course, is in Genesis, Genesis 1-3. We'll continue this conversation in just a few minutes. Stay with us, won't you, please? Adam, Eve, the serpent, evil, and doing the right thing. What's your job? Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you'd need to make your retreat a success. With 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org. Oh, wow! It can't be. Oh, yes, yes, yes! Oh, where have you been? If you snore, the first time you use mute can be quite an experience. <laughs> I can breathe! I can breathe! Snoring can happen when your nose is blocked, forcing you to breathe through your mouth. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device designed to increase airflow through the nose by gently opening the airways. (laughs) Thanks to Mute, you get all the air you need through your nose and not your mouth, which means less snoring and more chance of sleep. That's the best night I've had in years. In trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. To find your local store or for more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville can help protect your vehicle against anything the elements throw at it. Like spray-on bed liners to create a permanent lifetime barrier against impact, moisture and corrosion. Their TST Rust Remedy covers stuff your manufacturer warranty doesn't, like road salt and fall detail to safeguard your paint job, your tires, your interior against winter's worst damage. And did I mention Extreme now offers custom graphics? Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. Need some Pepsi and Pringles to go with your partridge and pear tree? Head to your neighborhood Family Dollar this week for Pepsi 12-packs, three for $10, and Pringles, three for $4. Save more for the holidays at Family Dollar. Forevermark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage, passion, determination, for your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are, the Forevermark Tribute Collection. A diamond for each of your qualities. Forevermark. Beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forevermark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. 
Visit TrinityJewelers.com. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a few flurries and a low 31. Tomorrow, mainly cloudy and breezy with snow showers accumulating according to an inch with a high 38. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, breezy with snow showers accumulating according to an inch with a low 29. Thursday, times of clouds and sun with a high of 40. Friday, mostly cloudy skies with a high of 39. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. From Town Hall Finance, Jerry Boyer is with us. We're talking about the roles of men and women biblically from Genesis 1 through Genesis 3. Jerry, for listeners who are just joining us, we're talking about the first three chapters of Genesis. And um, I mentioned that if you asked 100 people who had read Genesis 1 through 3, whose fault it was that sin entered the world, I think you probably have, if people would say the serpent, but... I think if you said, yes. was it Adam's or Eve's fault? I think probably 100 out of those 100 people would say it's Eve's fault. Now, your perspective is different. You're saying that an actual reading of those first three chapters indicates that Adam's role was to guard the garden. He was not vigilant. He was not vigilant in that. So therefore, the serpent right. entered. And when Eve was being tempted and succumbed, he was present? Yes, that, the text clearly says that. I mean, first of all, the idea that he was there to guard the garden is there in Genesis 2.15, um, that he is to, you know, all translations say keep it, but that's what keeping something is. It's guarding it. The Hebrew is shamar. It means guard. How do I know that it means guard? Well, one chapter later, when Adam fails in the role, God puts a cherub there with mm. a flaming sword to what? Guard it. Guard it. Mm. Same word, shamar. Right. So, uh, I mean, he's not there to be a farmer. The cherub is not there to be a farmer. Um, So it's the same idea. And that's why it uses the same Hebrew word. So he's there to guard it. Um, Now, if if you ask average Christians, absolutely, that's what they'd say. But there's a whole world of scholarship, even conservative evangelical scholarship over the past 40 years that understands that the garden is like the temple and Adam is like a priest, Mm -hmm. and that priests guarded the temple and they didn't let unclean beasts in. So none of this stuff is original with me. It just, I don't think it's sort of gotten to, you know, down to the people in the pew. What the people in the pew get is either pagan patriarchy pretending to be Christianity, or pagan feminism depending to be some kind of radical progressive form of Christianity. They're both ideologies which are imposed on the Bible. So what you see is that Adam is told to guard the garden. Um, He doesn't guard the garden. He is with her. How do we know? Because at the end of Genesis 3, we're told. And it's really interesting the way Genesis 3 goes. You have this whole long conversation going on between the serpent and the woman. Um, And the Hebrew here is Isha, right? Uh, Isha can mean woman or bride or wife. I argue at great length that it should be translated wife here. And the reason is, if you look at the end of Genesis 2, what does it say? And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, okay? So his wife there is Isha, right? The the, the word Isha is translated as wife. Now, ignore the chapter divisions. The chapter divisions aren't there in the original. This flows right into it. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Now, the serpent was more crafty than the beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the what? One verse earlier, the Bible always translates Isha as wife. In this verse, 
it translates Isha as woman. And then throughout the rest of Genesis 3, mysteriously, the verse is translated as woman. See, I think if you treat Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 as a unity, you see that the man and his wife are both naked and were not ashamed. And then now we have the zoom in on the wife. And if you translate it as wife, which the Hebrew word definitely can be used as, um, then what you, what you keep asking over and over again to us, the, the count, the woman said to the serpent from the true tree of the garden, we may not eat or touch it. And the serpent says to the woman this, and the woman says that. All that time, if you, if you saw that Isha means wife, and it was just said that she's his wife, what are you asking yourself? Where's the husband? If I'm telling you a story and I said, this happened to my wife and that happened to my wife and this happened to my wife, you'd say, well, where were you, man? Right, right. Um, and at the very end of the story, we find and she took and gave to Adam, who was with her. The whole time he's with her listening in, not doing his commanded shamar function. Right. So, Jerry, uh, even with all that, and it's an excellent reading. There are many people who would say, even in the 21st century, well, uh, clearly um, women are not worthy to be in the pulpit. Women should not preach. She should not teach. I mean, in Genesis 3.16, it says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Well, that's part of the curse, so I'm not sure we ought to be – I'm not going to speak to whether women can be in the pulpit, uh, because I, I've just – I've made a commitment myself. Anything where someone has a four views book, go read that. You don't need me taking positions on it, okay? So I'm going to speak on issues where I've done a great deal of detailed research – and can speak in detailed way in defense of what I'm saying. And I'm not going to take positions on meaning and mode of baptism, predestination or not, premillennial, postmillennial, women ordination, or all those things. Because the moment I do that, I start alienating people, and I can't get through with stuff which I know is true. Um, you know, at least I have strong reason to believe that it's true because I've checked it out myself. So I'm not going to say whether women can be in the pulpit or not. What I am going to say is that that's part of the curse. That's not an endorsement. That is, God is not saying you should have an, ur- an urging for him. Um, you should, your desire, um, uh, your tashuka uh, should be for him, but he will shower rule over you, and that's the way it should be. He's describing the what curse. Is. Yeah. It's describing what is, just like he talks about sweat of your brow. Now, I could look at the thing that says you'll eat by the sweat of your brow and say, therefore, the Bible forbids air conditioning, <laughs> but that would be silly. Um, this is a fruit of the fall, and we are part of redemption is to roll back to the degree that um, we, we should the fruit of the fall. Now, some people argue that you shouldn't give you know, women pain meds in the birth process because God says you know, that you'll toil and bring children into the world. Um, I don't, that's just a, a silly misunderstanding of the Bible. All of these things which are, which are listed are things that are coming from disobedience. They're not things that God is imposing. There's only one active verb that God uses here, as I recall. Um, which is, I will put enmity between you, between the woman and the serpent. Um, that's active. Um, he, he does not say, from now on, I want you women to long for men, and I want you men to rule over women. That's right. not what the verse says. That's what we hear when we read it, because people have drummed that into us. But if you carefully read the text, even in English, and certainly in Hebrew, that's not what comes through. Right. So, Jerry, wait, define enmity, please. Define what? Enmity. Enmity. Uh, warfare, bad will, uh, a lack of goodwill towards one another, conflict. So there's en- so warfare or disagreement or alienation. 
come between the woman and the serpent and also between the man and the woman. I mean, what, what happens? It's really interesting. God comes into the garden, and it says that, that the, the man and the woman hid themselves. And then God says, Adam, you know, where are you? And what does Adam say? We hid ourselves. Nope. I hid myself. Um, there's no solidarity between them anymore. By the way, that's the first appearance of the, sec- of the first person singular pronoun. The first I in the Bible is Adam. Anoki, I hid myself. Um, now, in English translations, you'll see I earlier, because sometimes the verb is a first-person verb, but the actual word I does not appear in the Bible before that. Mm-hmm. He is not, he's not equating his account as being merged with his wife's. When, there's not a we anymore. Um, you know, it says they put on these loincloths. They go to themselves with loincloths. Hagarot, strong overtones of military garb. A hagar. That this is this is they, they're putting on warrior clothes. They're they're at war with one another. They put on warrior clothes, and when God comes into the garden, they hide separately. They're not together. They're not in solidarity with one another. Mm-hmm. You see, in marriages, when people start saying he starts to count his stuff and she starts to count her stuff. That's that's you know that's Genesis three stuff, you know that's that's I hid myself. They're not they weren't together in it anymore. There was enmity between the man and the woman. We need to step away. We're is. talking to Jerry Boyer, editor of Town Hall Finance. We'll continue our conversation about gender when we come back. The question will be okay. So if we did read Genesis one through three in a different way, if we did see that both Adam and Eve were at fault, and we looked at it that way, how would things change in our conversation? 101.5 WORD. What sin has hindered you in life? You know, the one sin that always trips you up. Can you think of it? Well, join us as our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, answers this question for himself this week in our continuing study of Hebrews on Through the Bible. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. As mothers and caregivers, we tend to put others before ourselves. Former Texas Governor Ann Richards once said, If you think taking care of yourself is selfish, change your mind. In planning for your retirement, it's important to pay yourself first. Women have unique needs as investors. They generally live longer than men and have less saved. Kurt Kenotic and the team at Accurate Solutions Group have developed a complimentary guide to help women achieve financial independence called 10 Tips to Help Empower Women Investors. This guide addresses the reasons every woman should have a financial plan of her own. For your copy of this guide from Accurate Solutions Group, call or text TIPS to 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. Don't put others' retirement plans before your own. Take the first step toward your financial independence today. Call or text TIPS to 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Everyone gets hungry before the party. Why not give them something worth talking about without lifting a finger? Food. The Cooked Goose Catering Company provides homemade satisfaction that puts you at ease, whatever the occasion. Right now, get their special appetizer package added to your next menu. An inviting selection of hors d'oeuvres starting at $6.95 per person. Visit cookedgoosecatering.com slash word and see what's cooking. The Cooked Goose Catering Company. Just good 
food. Join Ireland's own Keith and Kristen Getty, known for In Christ Alone, for their ninth annual Sing, an Irish Christmas tour. Featured on public television, the BBC and TVN, the Gettys are joined by their incredible band, fusing Celtic, Americana, modern, and classical music for a vibrant celebration of the season. Build lifelong memories at Sing, an Irish Christmas. For tickets and information, visit gettymusic.com slash Christmas. Coming to the Benenham Center in Pittsburgh on December 12th. With the holidays right around the corner, you may be preparing your home to host family and friends. Make sure that your guests get an excellent night's sleep by furnishing your guest room with a high-quality, hand-built mattress from the original Mattress Factory. You and your guests will be well-rested and ready to focus on what really matters, spending time together. Stop by the original Mattress Factory and give your family and friends the gift of a good night's sleep. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Jerry Boyer is with us, editor of Town Hall Finance. So, Jerry, we're misreading what you're telling us. After all this time, we are misreading Genesis 1 through 3. Now, uh, In it, saying that it was Eve's fault right. that sin entered the world. So, She screwed up. Why are we misreading that? And if we see your correction to this by shining a new light on it, what would it mean for the sexes? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not sure that we're all misreading it. I mean, there are places in the history of the church where I think people understood this, but I think there's been a strong tendency to misread it, and I think that starts very early in the church, and I think it, it starts with the church adopting a pagan philosophical worldview, the one I talked about before, Stoicism. So Stoicism, it's a form of Platonism. Um, mind is good, matter is bad. Um, thinking is good, sex is bad, rationality is good, emotion is bad, men are rational, women are, women are irrational, right? That's brought into the church. Right. The Bible doesn't teach that at all, um, and uh, I mean, it's quite to the contrary. In fact, one of the founders of Stoicism actually gives an example of, he speaks negatively about Judaism, right? He, he, he criticizes Judaism. So what, what am I, a Jew or a Stoic? You know, he had anti-Semitic views because he recognized that Judaism was in, not in, in line with his philosophy. Stoicism and Judaism were enemy religious views. But the early church basically kind of throws out its Hebrew roots, adopts Stoicism, and then we need the woman to be the patsy. She's the fall guy, as it were. So she's the first sinner. She's the first failure. And therefore, women carry that burden. Um, throughout, not throughout the rest of the history. I mean, there are people in the Reformation who got this right. If this was, not everybody gets this wrong, but I would say that my tribe, which is conservative evangelicals, have tended to get this wrong. And there's a controversy going on right now. I'm not going to mention names because then it's personalities. Uh, but there's, I'll mention one of the names, a positive. You know, there's a woman Bible teacher named Beth Moore, and she's been criticized by some conservative, you know, Bible teachers. And one of them made a statement, you know, that she should go home. And then he clarified, and what he said is, well, the problem is that, that Eve got herself out from under Adam's authority. She wriggled out from under his oversight, um, and she was deceived. And then Adam couldn't live without her. She was in his heart, so he followed after her. Man, that's pretty convenient. You know, I mean, she's the Jezebel who, who rebels against Adam. And what's Adam's fault? He just loves too much. Right. I mean, his only fault is that he loves too much. I'm sorry. No, if yeah. he loved enough, 
uh, he would have killed the serpent uh, you know, or died trying when the serpent was poisoning his wife. So I just I, that got in there somehow. But it's definitely not the biblical view. I'm looking at the verses right now. There's nowhere it says that she originated the sin. He's clearly given the job, job of guarding, and it's clearly said that he's with, that he's with her. Um, and the Bible clearly says that she was deceived, meaning she – to be – I mean, who's the greater sinner, the one who's deceived or the one who's not deceived? The greater sinner is the one who's not deceived. If I know what's going on and I don't do anything about it, and you don't know what's going on, who's more at fault? Mm-hmm. Of course I'm more at fault. I mean, with the more knowledge, the more responsibility. If somebody lies to you and you believe them, maybe you're gullible, but that's, that is, I'm sorry, that's not as bad as being fully aware of what's happening and then you know, sinning anyway, despite the fact that you're aware that it's a sin. So what causes those of us who believe in Jesus, who believe in the Bible, who read it, um, to fall into this pattern, whether I think some people would say it's just a pattern of, you know, 1950s Americana. You're saying it's a it's a much more ancient pattern of stoicism. What causes us to be susceptible to that? I think what causes us to be susceptible, a couple of things. One, it's really hard to put aside all the arguments you've ever had in your head or all the arguments people have ever heard and actually carefully read the text. It's a very it difficult is hard. thing to it do. It is. I find that very difficult myself. You just start over yeah. and say, God, Fresh I want to know. I mean, Blank slate. My wife and I spent six and a half years, really, five years studying and a year and a half writing. And, and we didn't even know it was going to be anything. We just wanted to know what God thought. So we read through the Hebrew text over and over and over again and just kept stopping to pray, say, God, well, what are you saying here? Now, we did the research. We looked at the language research. I read the rabbis. I read the church fathers. I read the reformers. I mean, we did all the hard work of it. But in the end, it was, God, what are you actually saying here? Um, and what, we no- what people normally do is they read the Bible with what they've been taught in mind, which tends to be sermons, um, or you read it for ammunition in a fight. Mm-hmm. And right. to be, you know, be honest, mo- I mean, how many pastors keep up with their biblical Hebrew? I mean, I mean now seminaries tend to say you have to, ha- you have to take Greek or Hebrew, mm-hmm. not both. That's pretty common. Most seem to choose Greek because it's a lot easier. And then even the ones who take Hebrew, you know, after a year or two, it's gone. So it's, this is hard work, and you've got to want to do it. And, you know, there's not a lot of glory in it. I mean, I, I don't think I could pu- – I don't know if I could publish a book or not. I just wanted to know. Um, and all, throughout, other church, throughout the history of the church, other people have wanted to know. And they've, these, these conclusions are not new with me, but they're kind of forgotten right. um, because the, the big fight takes up all the oxygen in the, in the room. The, the yelling, the gender war basically makes it so we can't hear the still, small voice of God speaking in Scripture. Right. So then does this go all back to, in some ways, you know, the hashtag Me Too? If men would show up, be responsible, tell the truth, work hard, do the right thing, none of this would matter. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. I'm not saying that only men are responsible but I am saying, as a complementarian, not a chauvinist, because they're not the same thing, yes. as a complementarian, I see the primary responsibility being the man. See, you know, the, you know Paul says, look, the man was for, first cre- you know, created first and then the woman. And then the kind of the patriarch or, you know, the chauvinist say, see, man's first. He's better. That's not what's going on. Um, he's first. He, so the responsibility starts with him. So what's his responsibility? Well, he's to guard. He's to avoid, which is worship and serve, and he's also supposed to teach because the command wasn't – she didn't exist 
when the command was given not to eat of the tree, of the fruit of the tree of the of knowledge of good, of the knowledge of good and evil. So he's got to teach that to her. And when you read Genesis three carefully, you see that it was not taught properly because she misquotes it. She says we're not to eat of it mm-hmm. nor to touch it. So she got the verse wrong. Maybe he didn't teach it right. Maybe she changed it. And she also, just a subtle little thing, but she turns down the grammatical force a little bit. When God says, don't eat of it because the day you eat of it, moat the moat, dying you shall die. You shall surely die. It's like a doubling, really strong. And she just says, we'll die. Hmm. So she didn't get the importance of it. Um, Whether he failed to teach or whether she failed to learn, I don't know. The rabbis tend to say he failed to teach. See, that the Hebraic tradition puts a little more responsibility on Adam, maybe because they read Hebrew. Um, but who failed there, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know it was his job to keep evil out of the garden, and he failed in that. Jerry Boyer is with us, editor of Town Hall Finance. We need to step away. When we come back, uh, I'm going to ask Jerry about the influence of this idea, reading the Genesis 1 through 3 narrative as he sees it, to how we read Paul's letters and uh, his ideas about gender in the New Testament. That's next. Right home. Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org. If you have Medicare, the deadline for annual enrollment is days away. Make sure your plan is still the right fit with a free service from Health Markets. Health Markets' new Fit Score compares thousands of Medicare plans from national insurance companies. In minutes, you'll know if your current plan is the right fit or if there's one that can get you extra coverage, let you keep your doctor, and save you money. Health Markets could help you find plans with $0 copays, $0 deductibles, and $0 premiums, or plans with dental and vision coverage for no additional cost. You could even find plans that offer benefits for hearing aids, diabetic supplies, or gym memberships, or vitamins, meal delivery, and transportation to your appointments. Best of all, their service is free. The deadline for Medicare enrollment is days away, and the wrong plan could cost you thousands. Don't put it off. For this smart, unbiased, and free service, go to healthmarkets.com for details or call 800 713 4042. That's 800 713 4042. 800 713 4042. The Forever Mark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage, passion, determination, for your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are, the Forever Mark Tribute Collection. A diamond for each of your qualities. Forever Mark. Beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forever Mark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Visit TrinityJewelers.com. Hey, this is Laura Story. Are you ready to deepen your faith on a spectacular week-long Alaska cruise? After you prepare your heart with worship led by Michael O'Brien and myself, Alistair Begg will be sharing from God's Word, and together we will renew our vision, purpose, and connection with Christ. We'll let Scripture steer our hearts as we explore God's eternal truths together. Salem Media Group presents the Deeper Faith Alaska Cruise, August 30th through September 6, 2020. Get more details at wordfm.com slash Alaska. This Christmas, put 36 holes in your golf lover's stocking for half the price with the Salem Half 
half-price golf card. Get half-off savings now while supplies last. Good for 18 holes at Pheasant Ridge and 18 more at Harmony Ridge. With cart, just $53. Order now before they're gone at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. So find some stockings and put a hole in one at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. We've been spending this hour with Jerry Boyer, editor of Town Hall Finance, talking about Genesis 1 through Genesis 3. And I'm 3. disappointed because we've only got a couple minutes left. Uh, but, Jerry, I want to ask you about you know the, the link between New Testament perspective on men and women and what we see in the creation account. Because you know a, a classic reading of Paul's view of men and women is that it's linked to the creation account. And so if we want to understand what Paul means, we're going to look back at creation and we're going to realize that Eve was the one who sinned first. And so we're going to see that that's why women need to be silent in church. Yeah, yeah, but that's a problem, because as Peter said, Paul's hard to understand. So I wouldn't start with Paul. I'd, I'd read the Bible in order. You know, I'd read Genesis first, and then understand Paul in light of Genesis, because Paul's writing a commentary on Genesis. And by the way, I don't know why we skip over Jesus, because the, I mean, the account in Genesis is pointing us to Jesus. Adam failed. He didn't guard the garden. There's an, there's an angel put there. And then what? The woman is renamed. It's not Adam and Eve in the garden. It's man and woman, Isha and Isha, husband and wife. Then she's renamed Ava, um, living, the living community. She's given a new name. Why? Because she needs a new husband. Uh, um, uh, I mean, not really her husband, it's her son. But salvation is going to come through the seed of the woman. So that account is called the Proto-Evangelium, if you like the, the Latin, right? That there's, a, there's a promise given that the serpent's going to be defeated. His head is going to be crushed by somebody who doesn't fail in a garden. We've got somebody who's in a garden who says, not my will, but thine. Um, and so he embraces, he, he, he fights the serpent and dies trying. Uh, so he embraces the original Adamic role, and where Adam fails, he succeeds. Where Adam and the woman stole fruit from the tree, he's put on a tree. He's the fruit put on the tree as a, as a, as a um, restitution. He's in a garden, and they come for him. The soldiers come for him in a garden, and he gets up, and what does he do? He says, like, hides while the serpent, while the you know the the, the the serpent people you know capture his disciples. No. no, he stands in front of his bride, his disciples, and says, "I'm the one you're looking for." He does it so loudly and vehemently that you know a couple of the soldiers actually get surprised and fall over. So he undoes. This is a redo of Adam, and now he does it right. So let's go from Genesis to the Gospels, then to Paul. And then I think we understand, we can kind of go to Paul and maybe understand things better. And the flow from there. Jerry, uh, you and Susan both, very deep, unique thinkers. As people listen to this hour and they want to engage with you further, what can they do? Where can they go? Well, I mean, you're mentioning Town Hall, but I don't put this sort of stuff on Town Hall. Um, I'm writing a a, a long paper for Theopolis Institute on this, but it's not up yet. Um, You know, basically just reach out on social media. You know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I'm on all those things. B-O-W-Y-E-R. Very nice. Always a pleasure, Jerry. Thank you so much. My pleasure. God bless. Jerry's one of my favorite people. He is very deep and, and, and I, very unique. And I will tell you this, and I've told him in person, and I'm happy to say it across 50,000 watts. He's the single best talk show host that I've ever heard. I agree. Yeah. I mean, 
we do ourselves a disservice mm-hmm. by not having him with us on a yeah, regular basis. so true. It's so really anyway, Jerry Bohr, you can find him on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those sorts of things. All yeah. right. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we're going to talk about what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So the people in Vegas want to change their slogan. Yeah. Have they you don't been to like Vegas? It. No, I've ne- well, I've been to the airport a lot. Okay. But you did not it's stay in anno- Vegas. No. Right? It's a very annoying airport. All you do is hear the slots over right, right. and over and over again. I'm not a Vegas. I just really have no desire. No. Right? I mean, it's not my thing. Yeah. Mike's trying to organize a trip for the three of us. I, that's He's, he's not been to, there either. He's trying to win it. Right, Mike? Know. Heck yeah. Okay. Feeling not so great. Okay. We're going to go to a show, the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the blackjack. Game. Believe me, back in the day, I'd have loved to have seen Sinatra at the Sands. Oh well, yeah, right? that's a whole different thing than seeing Celine Dion now. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Come back. We got lots more ahead. Oh, Terry Tim is with us from Christ Community Church. Yeah, we're going to talk about some Advent. And we're some, also and we're going to start our New Year's resolutions now. Yeah, and Brad Pitt, he's not cried for twenty years. How do you not cry for twenty years? Those are strong tear ducts. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. California Senator Kamala Harris is ending her bid for the Democratic nomination for president. Senator Kamala Harris is ending her bid less than a year after announcing her candidacy to great fanfare. And I believe it will be a winning fight. But Harris now tells supporters the campaign simply doesn't have the financial resources. After an impressive early fundraising haul, Harris was unable to draw the dollars showered on rivals like Elizabeth Warren, and her focus on pocketbook issues never caught on with voters. Sagar Magani, Washington. The Democratic report on impeachment is out from the House Intelligence Committee saying President Trump misused the power of his office and obstructed Congress. The panel will vote this evening to send the report to the Judiciary Committee. On Wall Street, a down day as the Dow dropped 280 points. The Nasdaq plunged 47, the S&P lower by 20. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. How are you? Hey, take a big whiff. Mmm, can you smell it? The real hickory wood burning long and slow in our smokehouse to smoke our old-fashioned hickory smoked hams. Have you ever tried a Springhouse smoked ham? The meat is so tender, it falls right off the bone when it comes out of the oven. And the taste, mm mmm, a taste of days gone by. A Springhouse Hickory Smoked Ham makes a great corporate gift in a big Springhouse box with a big red bow on top. Or how about for all those sage folks that remember smoking their own hams as youngsters? Give us a call at 724-228-3339 to order your whole or half Hickory Smoked Ham from the Springhouse. Or check us out on the web at www.springhousemarket.com. And Merry Christmas from all of us at the Springhouse in 84 PA. Rich Engler presents Christmas with Michael W. Smith. The most wonderful time of the year. And Mark Martell. It's to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas with Michael W. Smith and his band. 7 p.m. December 19th at Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. Tickets available at itickets.com or call 800-965-9324. Welcomed by Word FM. This is former Pirates manager Clint Hurdle for my friends at Urban Impact. What a privilege to work with an organization that truly understands that everyone matters. 
This year alone, their athletics, performing arts, education, and options programs have reached over 2,300 Northside kids and served over 42,000 meals. And thanks to an incredible $300,000 matching grant, your year-end gift can have twice the impact. So make a difference today. Donate now at uifpgh.org slash match. Every day across Western Pennsylvania, tough breaks happen to honest folks. Layoffs happen to single parents, evictions happen to families with babies, and empty bank accounts happen to hungry people. But thankfully, every day in our community, good people happen to bad things. Your sustaining monthly gift of just $25 doubles the Salvation Army's ability to assist our neighbors battling poverty and help them win. Join the fight for good by texting WordFM to 91999. Paper, postage, dressing, stamping, holiday cards are fun to get and not so much fun to send. Time and money and how many people don't even get your card for that very reason. This holiday, surprise everybody with CrossCards.com. Free holiday e-cards that let you share the joy, the fun, the love, the happiness, and God's inspiration. All free. Even animated and interactive cards. No paper, no postage, no handwritten addressing. Just great-looking e-cards for the people who deserve them. Whatever the occasion, send CrossCards.com. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a few flurries and low 31. Tomorrow, mainly cloudy and breezy with snow showers accumulating according to an inch with a high 38. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, breezy with snow showers accumulating according to an inch with a low 29. Thursday, times of clouds and sun with a high of 40. Friday, mostly cloudy skies with a high of 39. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. You've heard that phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Oh, yeah. I mean, that sort of became the, the marching cry for a generation of people who would deplane in Vegas and run wild and think, well, that's good. Let's go back to home to Pittsburgh or Western PA and... We'll leave all that in the dust. We'll resume normal life. <laughs> right. But the people in Vegas now don't like that. No. Uh, so two decades, those five words have served as the city's mantra. But now the uh, tourism board, uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That looks like it might go away, that wink to the naughty. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're saying, we've been thinking about throwing around the idea, the PR people behind that phrase, what happens here only happens here. This is such a unique place. Mm-hmm. You can only have this type of fun right here. Right. Um, personally, I have nothing invested in this. Yeah, I have I've no never, desire. I have never been there. Um, I mean, I've been in the airport a lot. Yeah. But I have never been to – I've never been to the Strip, never. No. I don't know anything about it. And Mike has never been there. So you know, the three of us are like yeah. the least likely people to talk about what happens well, in, not, Vegas, well, well, in Vegas. I don't think we should we should evaluate Las Vegas. What I think is interesting is the, <laughs> is the need to rebrand it. Yeah. And that's what I think is interesting. I mean, so. Well, that makes sense because everything, I mean, corporate America always wants to freshen things up. Mm-hmm. And right. clearly, Las Vegas <laughs> is the center of corporate America. Now, to be honest, when I think of Vegas now, my heart kind of breaks because I go back to that horrific mass shooting. I know. Uh, to me, that's enough. That we'll never know the reason for it. No. So it, that sort of colors what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right. 
when I think of Vegas, I just think of um, just the, uh, you, you've heard this before that if there was a great catastrophic collapse, an earthquake, an asteroid hit it or whatever, right. and 10,000 years from now, people dug up Las Vegas, they would be like, what? What happened here? What is this? Yeah, what, are, what are these things? What? Wait, there's the Eiffel Tower and there's a roller coaster and there's a pyramids and yeah. what? It's just, un, to me, it's just manufactured. And just in, personally, I don't enjoy manufactured spaces as much as I enjoy natural spaces. Like Disney World isn't my thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying Disney World's bad. I'm not saying Las Vegas is bad. I'm just saying it's not the type of thing that ends up attracting me. But what is so curious to me about the story is that it, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of a conversation we had on yesterday's show about how this year corporate America is having all the Christmas parties again. That for the last two years since hashtag MeToo came out, the Christmas parties were called off. We're not going to have them anymore. There's too many problems between men and women. We can't have alcohol. We're just going to skip the party because we can't deal with all that. Now they're saying, wow, now we're educated. We've spent the last two years giving seminars to all of our people. We now, have some wisdom. Now we are wise. Mm-hmm. Now we have passed the classes. We have hit accept on the list of policies and procedures. And now we're going to have Christmas parties again. And we're going to have alcohol. And it's going to be fine because we're smarter. Right. So what uh, hashtag what happens here only happens here. It just seems like you're trying to not deal with the actual problem. I mean, if naughty stuff is happening in Vegas and you don't want to emphasize that, then the way is not to rebrand it. It's to keep is to not have Vegas be the place where people want to go do naughty stuff. But wasn't there, there was an era where Vegas was trying to turn itself into sort of a Disney, like a family I think a lot, there, there are a ton of vacation packages, I understand, about going to Vegas. You Take know, your you, little kids. You can go and sit at a pool, you know, you can go right, to a right. bunch of shows for kids, you can see, you know, the Blue Man Group or, you know, whatever it is. There, right. I'm sure there are a ton of things you can do. I just think that our urge to not fix a foundational problem, a problem that has to do with character and personal decision-making, and instead just slap a different label on it or just educate people and feel like you've fixed them. Right. I think that's just – that it just ignores the reality of human nature. But the thing about the, the Vegas thing, what happens here, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas – People don't want to be fixed. People want to live out their right. worst well, side. Listen, all the hashtag Me Too people aren't any different now no, than right? they were two years ago. Well, maybe the edu- you know, I don't think they those were. Those who have been shamed out of, uh, out of a career. Okay, maybe are they different. were shamed out of a career, but I don't think people who were planning on preying on women have been educated out of it. I just don't believe that. I do not buy that. Um, I, I, well, I guess that's all conjecture on our parts. I, you have to go into the mind of the right. guy yeah. who's and thinking I, about and maybe, doing that. And maybe I'm being too prejudicial. And maybe I'm just judging people harshly. I just think that education I mean, is not going to change men preying on women. It's going to have to be a change in heart and character that's going to cause men to treat women differently. What changed that men were called out? Men were caught in the act. Exactly. And right. so and that, that changes. If, yeah, that's it. And that, public that, shaming, as you said. That also changes behavior. It. Okay, so the whole thing, public shaming, applies to the Vegas thing also because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There's no shame. Right. And of course, you know, you can't what happened, blame me for what I did there. But I don't think that may have been true. What what stays what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But now with, you know, with social Facebook media, and Twitter, right? you nothing me? stays in nothing Vegas. Nothing stays anywhere. I mean, seriously. Right. I mean, you 
Anyway, it's just a weird. So thing. what's the? So is this a proposal they've made, or yes. is this something that they've already decided on? No, they're saying you know we're we're talking about rebranding this. They're essentially test marketing it mm, Let's to see, see what how, people think. Right. Mm, I wonder if they're listening to the show and they think, mm-hmm. well, she doesn't sound like she likes she, it at all. She's not having a really good time. Maybe she should come to Vegas. <laughs> we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably have a pretty good time. Is Wayne Newton still there? Oh yeah, he's still there. How old do you think he is? Uh, I bet you Wayne Newton is 82 or okay. 83. So, like, the big shows historically, of course, you know, you think of Sammy Davis. You think oh, yeah, of Facts the Rat Pack. Okay, but what about now? Like, the big shows in Las Vegas, what, what do you think they are? Celine, Celine Dion. That's what I think, the first thing. Um, I think of Penn and Teller. Because oh, I, w- I would okay. love to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they've been uh, having, they've had residence there for a while. And the Blue Man Group. Oh, right. Didn't Barry Manilow oh, yeah. have he, a thing there? He did, sure. Neil Diamond, oh, wasn't he? yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where like the people go who are on the final legs of their careers, who were once megastars, and now they've settled down into... So is that what it is? is I it believe just, so. It's just, you know, for settling... Isn't... I think Aerosmith... Is in residence? A, yeah. I th- Mike, is that right? I think Aerosmith's in residence there. I'm pretty so. sure... No shame. I read that. Yeah. I mean, they're doing probably you know, several shows a I day. I read that Aerosmith has toured more than any other living rock band. Really? Yeah. Wow. More they, so than the Stones. Yeah. They have they have a Beatles show in Vegas. Oh, they got everything in Vegas. They have a Beatles show in Vegas. Of course. Mike, we should go to that. It's not John. Can you imagine me at the it's Beatles show? It's not George. <laughs> right? No, it's not. No, it's just like it's probably like Madame Trousseau's, which also is Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean for years we were we'd always say, We should go down to the casino. Remember when the casino you first and I, opened? As soon as it opened, we were like, you know what? We should just we should get on check and see it what out it's like. That's a, I have no desire. It's been like ten I wanna, years. I want to go to the MJ. Michael Jackson hologram show. That's what mm. I want to go to. See, again. Is that a thing? Yeah. Now, that's that, creepy. That and Cirque du Soleil. Oh, of course, I've been to Cirque, Cirque du Soleil. Of course. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, Cirque du that, that is prime Vegas. Yeah. yeah, Cirque du Soleil started in Vegas. Is that right? I and it then, did, it, yeah. then it started traveling after right, that. Right, right. I, see, I'm afraid I'm going to watch that show and someone's going to end up horrifically injured. What? Cirque du Soleil? Yeah, because. I've, I've seen it several times. Yeah, but look at how many people have been hurt. Don't I, you? I never considered that. Oh. So my fears are mine. I believe so. Pretty I mean, sure. I think there's like eight deaths. What? Seriously? Yeah. Come on now. Wait a second. Oh no. Yeah, it's no, true. There, there's what? been deaths. Oh yeah. At I mean, at the live show, it's not like it happened in practice when you know a couple people down were in London or something like that. Yeah. yeah. See, John, you're killing that. Kind of voyeur <laughs> watching heck? people put themselves. I mean, in you such guys should like sex buzzkills. I mean, no Vegas, Usually no Cirque du Soleil. It's obviously not stopping anybody from going. I mean, no. no, of course not. I don't think it is. All right. All right. In the undeck circle, the Reverend Terry Tim from Christ Community Church in the South Hills. Listen, we're talking Advent. We're going to talk about why you should start your New Year's resolution now. And we're going to talk about why Anthony Hopkins and Brad Pitt are starting to cry. Confusing, tedious, worse than a math test? That's how most Americans describe shopping for health insurance. Yes, open enrollment is here again, and you have until December 15th to choose something very expensive that you hope to never use. And if that makes you want to stick a red-hot poker in your eye, do yourself a favor and call Marley Financial. Marley's got every plan available in the tri-state, but they also offer some of the most innovative solutions to tackle the high cost of health care. Have you heard of first-dollar benefits, the most expensive part of a health plan? Well, they're great if you visit the doctor 
doctor a lot or if you take medications. But if you're healthy, why pay it? A catastrophic plan may be all you need through Marley. Or how about a high deductible plan you can pair with a supercharged HSA? Not all plans qualify, but Marley's do, offering double benefits to cut your out-of-pocket costs in half. So call Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496, for a custom-designed health plan with the coverage you need at a price that's right. 724-884-1496 or online marleyfg.com. 101.5 WORD. In poverty-stricken Ethiopia, children are suffering from severe acute malnutrition. They're starving and dying. But our ministry partners at Save the Children are there to help. Your $60 one-time gift can provide the ready-to-use therapeutic food, the emergency nutrition and medication to bring a child back from the brink of death. Every little bit you can give will make a huge difference. Please call now. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 at the prompt. Say the keyword, save the children. You can give online at wordfm.com. Keyword, save the children. The Forever Mark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage, passion, determination. For your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are. The Forever Mark Tribute Collection. A diamond for each of your qualities. Forever Mark. Beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forever Mark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Visit trinityjewelers.com. We're surrounded by noise, bombarded by information, messages struggling to get attention. So many ways to reach customers. Your message needs to cut through and stand out for the resources and know-how to make it all work. There's Salem Surround. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. This Christmas, put 36 holes in your golf lover stocking for half the price with the Salem Half Price Golf Card. Get half off savings now while supplies last. Good for 18 holes at Pheasant Ridge and 18 more at Harmony Ridge with cart, just $53. Order now before they're gone at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. So find some stockings and put a hole in one at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. The first week of Advent, if you're following along at home, Terry Tim is with us to talk about it. Or Advent. if you're not, well, it still is. If you're right? not, we're going to you know following along at home, right? <laughs> Terry Tim, Christ Community Church of the South Hills. Terry, friend, always a pleasure. Nice to be with both of you Thank tonight. You. Yeah, very so, good. Terry, you love Advent. I do love Advent. <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate Advent. I agree. I, I, uh, it's a slower season. Uh, Pastorally, December is a crazy. I was going to say, I how, mean, it's like, just, I don't, I don't identify with the right. slow part. That's, I think, my problem. But Advent has caused me to slow myself mm. down in the midst of the craziness of the season. Advent is this opportunity to to go slower, to pace myself, to get ready for this amazing yeah. celebration. Uh, and it's it's been life giving to me. It's like a, a breath of fresh air. We, I don't have to. Th- there's so much expectation around Christmas and getting Christmas right and all the the trappings of Christmas. But getting Christmas right actually means preparing ourselves emotionally, spiritually, relationally for this amazing inbreak of God. And that that's 
for me, that's what they, the season of Advent has, has enabled me to do individually. And then hopefully I've been able to translate that to the people that I encounter in my church and my community. Wonderful. Now, Terry, a lot of people would say, I don't even know what you're talking about when you say Advent. Now, it's part of the church calendar. That's the, the bare basics, but it's much deeper. It, it is. I mean, the reality is that we are people who operate with two calendars. I mean, you can look at the calendar on your phone or the computer or on the wall. It says it's December what? December 3rd. 3rd, right? It's it's the month of December. And we have this calendar, this this Julian calendar that orients our life. And that's important. You know, we all have appointments and there's historical things that we need to pay attention to. But the church for years has said there's a different sense of time. There's God's time. And there's this liturgical calendar that enables us to tap into God's story and to allow the the narrative of Scripture from beginning to end uh, and everything in between to orient the way we look at ourselves and our life in the world, and that's called the liturgical calendar. And actually, uh, I, I, I forgot to do it uh, this past Sunday, but quite often on the first Sunday of, uh, of Advent, I say to my congregation, Happy New Year. Because Advent actually begins the new Christian year. Advent is the beginning of the new year, rather than uh, January 1st, which our culture says that's the beginning of the new year. So Advent is a season to uh, a season of beginnings, a season of preparing, a season to get ourselves ready for the inbreak of God, the advent of God, the arrival mm-hmm. of God into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, Tish Harrison Warren joined us. She's yeah. a, a local presence, but of course a national presence as well, an Anglican priest. She wrote a piece, the New York Times asked her to write a piece about Advent. And in the piece, she essentially talked about her longing for the darkness of the season before the light happens. First of all, isn't it amazing that the New York Times asked yeah. an Anglican priest to write a piece on Advent? Amen to that. Like, when I saw that the other day when she posted that online, I was I was rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Like, what a platform. Um, and, and she's such a brilliant writer and mm-hmm. thinker. But think about this idea. I mean, it, one of the things that that pains me about this time of year is the darkness. Like, it gets dark so early. It, it feels does. like it's oh, 1 yeah. o'clock in the morning I right know. now. Like, we should all be curled up in our beds, mm-hmm. right? This yes. is, like, ridiculous. <laughs> it surely it's is. It's so... <laughs> dark out. Yes. And that physical darkness I it is a reminder that we live in a dark world. We live in a world of brokenness, of sadness, of pain. Things are not the way they they ought to be. And th- that's something that most of us don't really want to acknowledge. But it's our reality, day in and day out. We can't avoid it, and and so Advent is this. Um, Advent, I think, and I can't remember if Tish wrote about this or not. But I mean, Advent, in a sense, is very similar to the season of Lent. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lent. I mean, everybody knows Lent. Like it's a time to you know practice, give, give up your meat, repentance, and fasting, and give up things. Uh, Advent is a season of preparation. And if just as we prepare to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, why would we not prepare to celebrate the inbreak of God into the world and into our lives in the person of Christ Jesus? Like that 
that calls for preparation. Uh, it's all about the birth of a baby. I mean, babies don't just appear, right? I mean, there's there's a pregnancy. What do we say to a woman? Are you expecting, right? There's a sense of anticipation. And so in the midst of this darkness, it's a reminder uh, to me, I'm waiting for God. I need God. I need God to break into my personal darkness our corporate darkness, the darkness and, and, and uh, sadness of the world. I long for God to come into that space for me and for our world. And so just as we wait for that nine months for that child to develop and come into the world, Advent for me is this time to wait, to wait and to long for the inbreak of God into my life, your life, and our life. Isn't it an odd juxtaposition that from, I mean, for some people, it starts way earlier, like New Mike's family. But, you know, in culture, as soon as Thanksgiving's over, the Christmas season starts. But that's not the way the Advent season is. The, the celeb- it's all a period of sacrifice and contemplation until Christmas, and then the party kicks off. So it's like we're, 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 we've got two different things going. And then it's a big party in the liturgical right. calendar. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, like it's a season. A 12-day blowout. Right? Christmas is a season. In our culture, Christmas is is an event a happening couple and, of days and i i try not to be snobby about this because i've had my own evolution in terms of appreciating the season of advent but i you know i was online over the weekend watching a, a church you know worship service and you know the opening words from the worship leader was it's officially christmas here at xyz church and I just no, no. I like it, it, it repulsed not. me. I got angry at that. Like it's not Christmas yet, and th- this. I think it's in a sense it, it says something about our culture. We live in this culture of instant gratification. We want what we want now, and we want the good. And Advent, um, I want the good too. But Advent is this opportunity to say, "Let me look at." The, the whole picture, the whole picture of my life, the whole picture of our world, and the bigger picture of God's redemptive action, and longing and crying out for the inbreak of God is, is what we're called to do in these weeks leading up mm-hmm. to the, the celebration of, of, of Christ's birth. Mm-hmm. And to do that would require us to surrender to that, to delve deeper into God's Word, to daily prayer, to a, a daily pushing Which, away. Which, again, is working at odds with what we see in culture because this is when everything's ramping up. There, are, Everything's busy. There's all sorts of parties. There's all sorts of you know things you have to do. you got to check off your list. you got to blah, 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 blah. So we're really, we've got like two competing narratives here. They're incredibly competing narratives. And I'm not suggesting like don't, you know. Put your hair shirt on. You know, you, you know. Deny, you know, don't ever go to a Christmas party, you know, be the be that person, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a way we can operate in the world, but this opportunity, I, I love that there are competing narratives. I mean, one of the, what what's what's the primary narrative of Christmas in our culture? It's consumerism, right? Like I, I heard I heard the statement that this year one trillion dollars will be spent on Christmas, like. That's, a, lot of That's money. a big number, like a, tr- a trillion dollars. We do. We participate in something at our church called the Advent Conspiracy, mm. 
which is a movement that's happened across the country over the last 10 years. It's, it's a way of experiencing Advent and Christmas in a different way. And it is a different narrative. One Part of the Advent conspiracy, there are four principles. The first one is spend less. Like, that is so countercultural, right? This is the season when everything ramps up, and we've got to spend more, and we've got to get the the perfect gift. Spend less so you can give more, Mm -hmm. and and to give more to people who are hurting, people who are vulnerable, people who are broken. And as we spend less, we can give more following the generosity of God. We can worship more fully and ultimately love all. Like, that's a different narrative, mm-hmm. I believe. But that's a narrative that I think is connected to the true narrative of the Christmas story, which is the inbreak of God, a generous God who loves the world so much that he would send this amazing gift of his mm-hmm. son, Christ Jesus. And to think 2,000 years ago, before Christ came onto the scene as the babe in the manger, I mean, people had to be living in darkness, thinking, this is it? This is all there is? Um, the, the 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 Bible is just a basically suspended in in motion. There's nothing else going on. Uh, this is a dark and dour time in humanity. Well, well as you, as you mentioned that, John, I think about you know you get to the end of the Old Testament, which is the prophet Malachi, and then there's what we call the silent period. Mm-hmm. There there are four hundred years. years. Yeah. That's a long time. Four hundred years. Think about that. Where there's no inspired voice of God. No. Right. It's there's a, there's a silence, and the people of God are waiting, 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 and going through all sorts of turmoil and pain, and and ultimately, as we get to the the, the first century, you know, under Roman oppression and persecution. Where are you, God? When are you ever going to show up, right? And you talk about that, that darkness. I mean, uh, we, we don't really even know what, like, physical darkness is really about, right? Because when it's dark, we just turn a light on. But, mm-hmm. like, imagine being in a culture where the, it is dark and you can't flick a switch, mm-hmm. right? There's no light at all. That physical darkness, which is metaphoric of the, the spiritual, the political darkness, the oppression, the heaviness that's on the people of God. And uh, so for us to wait for four weeks <laughs> compared to 400 people years. waiting for 400 years, God, when are you going to step into our life and make things right? I mean, th- this, is a, this is a discipline, a practice that I think is critical to us as the people of God. Terry Tim is with us, Christ Community Church of the South Hills. We're talking about Advent. This is day three of the Advent season. Stick around. Our conversation continues in just a few minutes. For your next event, instead of worrying about catering to your guests, why not just enjoy them? The Cooked Goose Catering Company provides homemade satisfaction that puts you at ease, whatever the occasion like their roast beef and stuffed chicken breast with mashed or roasted potatoes and green beans, just $10.95 a person. Visit cookedgoosecatering.com slash word and see what's cooking. The Cooked Goose Catering Company, just good food. As we enter this holiday season, we've stopped to reflect on what we're grateful for. This is Greg Trzinski, and at the Original Mattress Factory, we're grateful for you, our loyal customers. With your support, more than half of our business comes from repeat customers and referrals. 
and we have been hometown made for nearly 30 years. So thank you. We look forward to building new relationships and providing the high quality and great value that you've come to expect from the original Mattress Factory. We wish you and your family a happy and healthy holiday season and a wonderful new year. Here at the Original Mattress Factory, we want to know, is it better to give or to receive? This holiday season, one local winner won't have to choose. In the spirit of the season, we will be giving away a queen-size orthopedic luxury firm mattress set to a local winner and providing another set to be donated to a nearby charity. Visit any Original Mattress Factory location by December 18th to enter and for all official rules. No purchase is necessary to win, but eligibility restrictions do apply. We wish you and your family a holiday season that's filled with cheer and goodwill. Every day across western Pennsylvania, tough breaks happen to honest folks. Layoffs happen to single parents. Evictions happen to families with babies. And empty bank accounts happen to hungry people. But thankfully, every day in our community, good people happen to bad things. Your sustaining monthly gift of just $25 doubles the Salvation Army's ability to assist our neighbors battling poverty and help them win. Join the fight for good by texting Word FM to 91999. Join Ireland's own Keith and Kristen Getty, known for In Christ Alone, for their ninth annual Sing, an Irish Christmas tour. Featured on public television, the BBC and TVN, the Gettys are joined by their incredible band, fusing Celtic, Americana, modern, and classical music for a vibrant celebration of the season. Build lifelong memories at Sing, an Irish Christmas. For tickets and information, Visit gettymusic.com slash Christmas. Coming to the Benenham Center in Pittsburgh on December 12th. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive. Through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics. An independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at RamaChristianSchool.org. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a few flurries and low 31. Tomorrow, mainly cloudy and breezy with snow showers accumulating according to an inch with a high 38. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, breezy with snow showers accumulating according to an inch with a low 29. Thursday, times of clouds and sun with a high of 40. Friday, mostly cloudy skies with a high of 39. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Terry Tim is with us, Christ Community Church of the Southfields. We're talking about Advent. And we're talking about it from a position of in-between, right? So we look back and we know the biblical narrative and we recognize that it's pointing us to something that's going to happen in the future, right? right? So the kingdom of God has already come, but it's not fully here yet. So we're in this in-between time. In-between time. And is Advent also an in-between time? Karl Barth, uh, the theologian, years and years ago said something like this, Advent is our only season. Mm. Like, Mm. that's the season that we live in, not just in the month of December, but 24-7. And and what he means by that is this in-between space. We... During the Advent season, the month of December, we we can look back at a historical reality, and we know, yes, 
Jesus was born. Like, that's a historical fact, and we celebrate that. But we also, we look ahead to the return of Christ, his second advent, his second coming, right? And, and we put a focus on that. This, you know, if, if you follow the lectionary readings in, in worship, the, the first couple of weeks always talk about the return of the Lord, the second coming, the, the day of the Lord, when the Son of Man will come. And, and so it's this in-between space. What does it mean to live as people who can look back and say, yes, God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. The Word took on flesh and blood and dwelt among us, and he's coming again to establish Mm -hmm. the kingdom in its fullness. So the month of December, in a sense, is a teasing out of what the wholeness of our life is all the time, every day of the year. We are an in-between people who have this opportunity to bear witness to the reality of Christ's coming, but as well anticipate with hope that God will come again and make all things right, make all things new. And so it's this in-between mm-hmm. space that I would, I would say is actually a bittersweet yeah. space. Mm-hmm. So being in this space and knowing it, because my guess is a lot of people didn't even know that we are this Advent season or there is this in-between space, as believers— and if we want to fully engage, what's required of us? I think honesty. Hmm. Honesty about the space that we're in. Uh, things are not the way they are supposed to be. It's a mess. It, it is It is a mess. And we can become cynical about that. We can become jaded. We can check out. Be hopeless. We, we, the the word of the Advent season is hope. I mean, that is a primary, should be a primary motivator. Just as the, the people of God waited for those 400 years for the inbreak of Messiah, they, there, there was a sense of hope. We believe that God is good to his word. Mm-hmm. And we, again, we have this opportunity to look back and say, yes, God was good to his word. He sent his son, Jesus, mm-hmm. who began the work of redemption and restoration and renewal. But in this in-between time, in the mess of the world, we can stand, not with cynicism and a, a jaded perspective, but we can stand and say, there is coming a day when God will come and make all things right. And until that day, we need to bear hope. We need to be hope. We need to, to manifest faith, hope, and love. But it's, I think being honest and real and authentic with ourselves and the people around us is such a critical thing because uh, this world uh, is desperate for the hope of Christ. And he is the only one that can carry us through the, the, the darkness that, that we're in. But again, as we said earlier, being willing to face that darkness and own the pain. You know, one, one of the painful parts of the holiday is that in every holiday from Thanksgiving to Christmas, there are people who are not present at the table. Mm-hmm. Like that is a painful reality that people that we love, people that we care about have died. They're gone. They're, they're physically gone. And, and how do you carry on? Well, part of the reason we carry on is because God says there's coming a day when I will make things right, and we are going to be at this amazing table with all of God's people, yes. right? 
we, we, we die in faith, we live in faith, and we long for that day when God brings all of his people back together. That's, but that's not easy. That's, there's a bitter sweetness to that fact. So, mm-hmm. so, so being honest, uh, honest about just how we, how we step into that space, I think, is really critical. So this intentionality of this honesty in this in-between time, because, because as we said earlier, in the church calendar, this Advent season after Advent becomes the day, the, the calendar of Christmas upon us. Joy to the world. The Lord has right. come. So I want to prepare for that joy. And there's work to be done to prepare for the joy. So as you, Terry, as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor, what tools are you using? What What is it? Because there's many things that you can right, read, sing, yeah. engage with to make that Advent season full and rich to prepare you for that coming joy. Right. And I think for me, one of the things that I do is is read those prophetic texts mm. from the major prophets, the minor prophets, people who lived hundreds of years before the coming of Christ and who who painted these, you know, Isaiah paints these beautiful pictures of, again, not only the Messiah to come, but the kingdom that he's going to bring. So, you know, Isaiah will talk about, you know, the virgin who will bear a son, and we know that's Jesus. But Isaiah will also talk about the day coming when God will throw the banquet feast. So for me, the Advent season is a wonderful time for me to tap into the prophetic writings, again, which help me look back and look forward. I love... uh, uh, we were just talking about uh, music uh, off the air. Nicole Nordeman has come out with a, a Advent Christmas project. That's it's entitled Fragile. Mm-hmm. Who puts out a Christmas album mm-hmm. entitled Fragile? And she does this mashup of What Child Is This with Sting's Fragile. Mm, really? That's the opening track, right? Again. I don't think that's going to sell like a huge amount of copies. You know, you don't sell. Well, but that is really interesting. It's so interesting, right? So, so the Advent hymns of the church, which are, are kind of hard to tick off, but you can look at some of the Advent music, uh, some of Handel's Messiah. There's there's both contemporary and classic music that draws us into this in between space of looking back. But looking forward, and so music for me is a is is a big piece. And like again, I, Nicole, you can send me all the royalties and all the sales you're going to get here. But like, <laughs> go out and listen to Nicole Nordman's uh, fragile project. It's beautiful, fabulous, and it's lush, and it it has drawn me deeper into mm. this period of oh, that's wonderful. preparation. Wonderful. That's terrific. All right, we need to step aside. Okay, so uh, we're going to leave Advent. Yeah, and we're going to come back and talk about crying. <laughs> are we talking about Roy Orbison? No, we're, no, we're going to oh, talk about my. Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins, who are saying that they haven't been criers before, but now all of a sudden in life, they're what? They're weeping all the time. One hundred one point five W O R D. God blesses everyone. What's the biggest blessing you can imagine this Christmas season? How about having your mortgage or rent paid for for 2020? It's possible when you enter the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes. You can even enter once a day to increase your opportunities to win. See rules and conditions for details. To our Merry Christmas, God bless us. God bless us. Enter the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes brought to you by Trinity Jewelers. Go to wordfm.com slash contests. So what would you do with an extra $500 a month in your budget? 
500 bucks. This isn't hypothetical, by the way. This is something you may need to think about very soon if you decide to become a member of MediShare. MediShare is a way to pay for your health care, and typically it costs $500 less per month for a family versus other health care plans. So seriously, think about this. You could pay off loans, pay down a mortgage, save the money for retirement, donate to charity. That would be a big deal. But you know what? Here's the best thing. MediShare works. It's a Christian healthcare sharing ministry with 400,000 members. They've shared over $2 billion in medical bills so they can help share your needs too. And with MediShare, not only do you save, you don't have to pay for things you don't believe in. And that's a beautiful thing too. So here's how you can find out more, and you might actually wind up saving even more than 500 a month. So check into it. 844-51-BIBLE. That's 844-51-BIBLE. 844-51-BIBLE. Rich Engler presents Christmas with Michael W. Smith. The most wonderful time of the year. And Mark Martell. It's Christmas with Michael W. Smith and his band. 7 p.m. December 19th at Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. Tickets available at itickets.com or call 800-965-9324. Welcomed by Word FM. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. This Christmas, put 36 holes in your golf lover's stocking for half the price with the Salem Half Price Golf Card. Get half-off savings now while supplies last. Good for 18 holes at Pheasant Ridge and 18 more at Harmony Ridge with cart, just $53. Order now before they're gone at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. So find some stockings and put a hole in one at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. I saw an article in USA Today about uh, the actors Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins. Um, now, I'm not quite sure why this took place, if they themselves are working on a, a film together, a movie together, or what. But uh, the article in today's USA Today, uh, they say this. At one point during the conversation, the two got personal about their emotions, with Brad Pitt revealing that he, wasn't, that he hasn't been one to really cry. Quote, I am quite famously a not-crier. Is that a term? I haven't cried in like 20 years. And now I find myself at this latter stage much more moved, moved by my kids, moved by my, by, by my friends, moved by the news, just moved. I think it's a good sign. I don't know where it's going, but I think it's a good sign. And so then Anthony Hopkins, he jumps in. He says, well, I, I cry at the drop of a hat because everything moves me. You'll find, he says, as you get older, that you just want to weep. It's not even about grief. It's about the glory of of life. I think it's fascinating. It is fascinating. When John told me that he found the article, I, I thought about it all afternoon. I can't picture going 20 years without crying. 
Because now that's so Brad Pitt's fifty five. So that means he's not cried since he was thirty five or so. And he's had I don't know how many children. Divorces, remarriages. He's had a lot of things to cry about (laughs) in his life. He kind of has. Yeah, I mean, he's much more to be joyful about. Right. Right. Yeah. So. And I love I love what Anthony Hopkins says about that. It's about the. It's not only about grief, but it is about the glory of life. I mean, that is a brilliantly profound, like, kind of. A, a deep theological statement, right? Like yes. the glory of life, that God's glory is all around us, and that could bring us, to, move us to tears. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's so vast yeah. and yeah. intense. So it's it's really just an interesting, interesting thing from two perspectives of men who make their living with the palette of emotion. I'm trying to think, like, when's the last last time in film Brad Pitt cried? I don't know. Maybe maybe I, never. Yeah, I was, I was trying to scroll through, like, the roles, and I can't remember... In a Benjamin film. Button, maybe maybe I, I that 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 came to mind Me immediately. Too. Like that that probably would be the film, but I do think I think it says something about men because I don't necessarily think that that Brad Pitt's position is atypical is of men yeah. in our yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's just even there's still still this stigma that that men don't cry mm-hmm. and particularly don't cry in public. Like that's like if you're going to cry, uh, <laughs> I I've. The older I get, I can identify with Anthony Hopkins. I'm 60 now, and the older I get, the m- the more apt I am to cry. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I went 20 years without crying, but I, I – what, what did Brad Pitt say? I'm a non-crier. Right, right? I'm not crier. Like, I, I can remember once many, many years ago, I, I took our, our first son, who's now 34, so this is a long time ago. I, I took him to some kid's movie. It was like – the Smurfs, you know, or something like that, you know, and the lights are out and I'm in a movie theater and I'm with my son and like the tears start coming in this stupid kids movie. <laughs> Good for you, Terry. Because <laughs> right. that, that's known as but, a tearjerker. That Smurfs movie. It's just always gets movies me. that, you know, usually have some compelling emotional thing. And like for a, for a man, like to be in a safe place, a dark movie theater, right. like my four-year-old son, like, dad, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but I, I do think it's really... I think Hopkins is on to something. Henry um, Cloud once said, tears are God's reset button. Mm. Hmm. And I, that, that's always stuck with me. There, there are times when like, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, usually with, with hard emotions, and there's something about like a good cry. Like it's it's like rebooting it's your system. It's cleansing. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of men, you know, try to reboot their systems in unhealthy ways. That's exactly it. And so Hopkins is, is on to something. Right. And good for Brad Pitt. Maybe he's going to integrate that more into his life. Yeah. Now. I mean, Hopkins says at the drop of a hat, because everything moves me. I just think that's okay, really intense. So, so are you a crier, John? I am a crier. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, I grew up in a house with five sisters and my mom mm-hmm. you think there were a few tears in that house oh, so I, that was an easy thing for me to just jump into i mean that's a response i mean you know i'm not like <laughs> like and i think so that's interesting so as i say this i go well i'm not a sissy or right <laughs> right because you feel like you need that's to justify exactly it. it that's exactly it for most men it's a stereotype right that a, a tear is a sign of weakness right. not a sign of strength right what are you gonna cry yeah exactly <laughs> Be quiet, Mike. <laughs> Let me have my own tears, please. Okay, so uh, now I'm obviously not a man, so I'm going to speak from a different perspective. I really hate crying. You do? I, I, I hate don't it. think I've. 
It's, I rarely have seen like, you cry. Like, right. define crying, I, though. Like a tear, or you're talking about like weeping? Weeping. I really yeah. hate weeping. I really dislike that. What do you, and do, what I do you dislike have, about it? I don't, I, it, it, you know, it, the whole thing about it, I don't know if it's the vulnerability. I also think it's the physicality of it. I can't breathe. My it eyes hurts. hurt. The whole thing. It's the just ugliness it's, it's of really it. really horrible. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is horrible. But one thing that since I had children that I've noticed, and it wasn't it wasn't like a physiological response to having children, because when, you know, I, how many women have said, oh, the moment I gave birth, I just cried with so much joy. Well, that was not my experience. I want you to know. I was like inside panicking, thinking, what am I going to do with this infant? That's my experience, uh, having an infant. But what did happen once I had children is I am moved all the time. But you name it. Mm. I mean, especially, especially when I read the Word of God. It is the most beautiful book. I can't even talk about it sometimes. I come in and I tell John and Mike something that I read that day, mm-hmm. and I get halfway through it, and then I'm like, I can't even talk about it. Because it's just, there are so there is so much beauty that God is just pouring out. Mm. It's just unbelievable. I just... It, it overwhelms me. It really does. Yeah, and, and takes your breath away. It does. It right? does. And I think that's what Hopkins is getting at, whether it's a tear, but just this being in this posture to to be present and aware of the glory of life, which we know is the glory of God being manifest in whether it's a scripture yeah. or something beautiful in the creation and interaction we, with we have, to slow down and to be present in that space yeah. is is compelling and powerful. Don't you uh, this happens to me sometimes and I don't know if this happens to you guys but when I see connections made not necessarily between people but between ideas when I see something in the Old Testament that is so profoundly realized mm. in Jesus that is so amazing to me because I recognize that the gigantic nature of the story mm-hmm. and the beautiful mind that thought it up and just the unbelievable through line that there is in God's grace and faithfulness to That's people. Fabulous, right? I mean, that is that just through line. that is just an amazing thing to mm-hmm. witness. Yeah. And then when you see that come alive in somebody's life, it's just Well, look, I mean, the last time I cried was at the Mr. Rogers movie. I mean, that is I must such have a cried. beautiful film. It's an excellent film. It is. A, I must have cried six times in that movie. I went back and saw it the second time mm. and I and I teared up in all different places yeah. than I did the first time. Right. Yeah, it's a really moving film, and in all the ways that you won't expect until you see it. So I think the thing is, when I see Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins talk about this, and this conversation as well, is that instead of us trying to own our emotions as men, right, to sort of corral them, especially for men who have sons, that we should allow ourselves the gift of Anthony Hopkins to look at the glory of everything and allow ourselves to be emotionally invested in that without fear or judgment mm-hmm. because it is God's glory yep. and life is hard yep. and there is a reset button right. and all those things work together to allow us to be in the moment. Yeah, and it, and that's part of what it means to be fully alive, right? I mean, one of the great church fathers uh, – Irenaeus said the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And being alive means being alive to everything, you know, the good 
and the hard, the joy and the sorrow, the full spectrum of life. And part of I think part of our discipleship is to is to submit our emotional life to God, to not just have our faith up in our head or just in our hands or our feet action wise, but actually to invite God into the emotional space to to really what does it mean to to know joy? Like, not happiness, but joy in the mm-hmm. depth of our being, right? That could be manifested in a laughter or a tear, right? And, and to, to come into the fullness of that. And, and maybe, maybe uh, Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins are onto something here. That's good. We'll take a break. Step away. Terry Tim is with us. Christ Community Church of the South Hills. We're talking Advent, crying. What else is now? What's next? <laughs> Impact Mortgage Corp. DBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS 128231. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer not available in Washington. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. Happy holidays from your friends at Cash Call Mortgage. While other companies are trying to get you to spend money this time of year, at Cash Call Mortgage, we encourage our customers to save money by refinancing and lowering their monthly mortgage interest rate. Imagine that, saving money during the holidays instead of spending it. At Cash Call Mortgage, we like that idea and offer low interest rates to back it up. So if you have an interest rate higher than 2.99%, give us a call to see if we can lower your monthly mortgage payment and save you money. And because we're a direct lender, we can close your refi in as fast as 20 days with no upfront deposit. The holidays are coming fast, so get the extra cash you need now with a mortgage refi from Cash Call Mortgage. For a free quote to see if you qualify, call Cash Call Mortgage at... 800-990-6947. That's 800-990-6947. 800-990-6947. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville can help protect your vehicle against anything the elements throw at it, like spray-on bed liners to create a permanent lifetime barrier against impact, moisture, and corrosion. Their TST rust remedy covers stuff your manufacturer warranty doesn't, like road salt, and fall detail to safeguard your paint job, your tires, your interior against winter's worst damage. And did I mention Extreme now offers custom graphics? Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. This is former Pirates manager Clint Hurdle for my friends at Urban Impact. What a privilege to work with an organization that truly understands that everyone matters. This year alone, their athletics, performing arts, education, and options programs have reached over 2,300 Northside kids and served over 42,000 meals. And thanks to an incredible $300,000 matching grant, your year-end gift can have twice the impact. So make a difference today. Donate now at uifpgh.org match. It's that time of year again. Headlight savings time. When the night gets darker and you need a fresh pair of headlights that are up to the task. Can't remember the last time you replaced your headlight bulbs? Well, now is the time. Visit HeadlightSavingsTime.com to find your perfect bulb. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. This Christmas, put 36 holes in your golf lover's stocking for half the price with the Salem Half Price Golf Card. Get half off Salem. Savings now while supplies last. Good for 18 holes at Pheasant Ridge and 18 more at Harmony Ridge. With cart, just $53. Order now before they're gone at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. So find some stockings and put a hole in one at pittsburgh.discountshoppingclub.com. 
So just a, a short amount of time left. Terry was talking about Nicole Nordeman's, uh, is it fair to call it an Advent uh, an Advent album? Advent Christmas album. Fragile. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, good. Okay, what else are you listening to that you like? So I, uh, I've been listening to Coldplay. I love Coldplay. Coldplay uh, put out a new project, uh, and it's actually a real album, like from beginning to end. Oh, really? Is it? It's it, a story. It, it's a story. Concept type uh, of it's, thing? It's sunset, or sunrise and sunset. Cool. It's a double album. If you had vinyl, it would be two records. But one of the things that they did, they surprised the world with it. Nobody knew that they were putting an album out, and they did a live performance of it in Jordan, Amman, Jordan. What? Really? And they actually did it uh, at at sunrise. They started playing the sunrise piece at sunrise, oh. and then later, it, like 12 hours later in the day, they did Sunset. Watch it. Uh, and they have it on really? You can watch it no on way. YouTube. It's stunningly beautiful really? both sonically and visually what's it called it's called the the album's called everyday life hmm. sun uh sunrise and sunset i love it i've watched it it's the the first part is 26 minutes it's uh it will bring you to tears <gasps> really it will yes just we're just we're talking about it, exactly that. yeah i've i've even brad pitt even i think <laughs> brad pitt would cry over this <laughs> that's fabulous that's terry tim yeah hey terry take a second uh, what's happening you got oh, like 10 wait. seconds 10 seconds. Lots yeah. of things are happening. Christ Community Church. Check us out. <laughs> okay. How about that? <laughs> okay. 10 seconds. Three, two, oh, yeah. one. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.